0: Last week in Bible study, we got into the parable of the sower and the seed, which is in Matthew chapter 13. We got into discussions about the sower and the seed, that parable, and we we, we were able to understand that the main thrust of our lesson last week was not so much about the sower And the seed, but the main thrust of our lesson last week was more about the ground that the seed is planted in. We taught more about the ground that the seed is planted in. And so, just to recap real quick, because I want to bring clarity, because the lesson that we're going to teach about tonight is is in the same uh, text, it's in the same chapter, and it will help us. So, what we understood from last week's teaching is that the seed that the sower was sowing was the Word of God. The seed that the sower sowed was the Word of God. The ground or the earth that the seed was sown into is the human heart. The ground or the earth that the seed was sowed into was the human heart. Now, the Lord Jesus taught us many things while he was here in the earth, and he used parables a lot. And the reason why he used parables a lot was it will give us better understanding of what he's trying to say because he's using things that we're familiar with. And what we're familiar with, what they were familiar with at that time, was that a farmer, a farmer, a farmer, would sow seeds into his garden or into his, on his land where he's planting. He would sow seeds and those seeds will grow. And so Jesus Christ gave them that parable. He talked about when the seed is sown, what kind of ground it falls on. And he said that some of it may fall on stony ground, meaning the land was not cultivated. It was not Plowed so it would be fertile enough where when the seed is planted, it will grow. So he talked about that. Then he talked about some seed fell on shallow ground, meaning that there was just a little bit of dirt, wasn't a lot, and and the seed fell into that little bit of dirt and sprung up a little bit. um, a, A flower sprung up from that seed that was planted, but it didn't last long because the ground wasn't enough. It wasn't enough soil there to let that root go deep and for the plant to grow. So that was the way. So some seed that was planted, they fell on stony ground, which means that if it falls on stony ground, there's no tree that will grow. No tree that will grow that will produce fruit if the seed that was planted fell on stony ground. If If the seed that was planted fell on a little bit of ground where a little bit of earth was, it would spring up a little bit, but it wouldn't last long. So those seeds that's planted in grounds like that, they never grew into a tree and they never produced any fruit because they never really stayed and, and, and become what it need to become. Then it talked about, um, there's another one, but it'll jump to this one. And it talked about seeds that's planted that fell on good ground. And it says that those seeds that fell on good ground, they grew and it was a nice tree and that tree produced much fruit. Some of the fruit that the tree produced was a hundredfold of fruits, some sixty fold of fruits, and some thirty fold of fruits. So that tree that grew because it was th- the seed that was planted, it planted on good soil, cultivated, everything was good, got watered and everything worked right. That tree grew and produced fruit, much fruit. So the Lord taught that as a parable of something natural that we all understood. Farmers understood. We understand. And then he made the other teaching, which is spiritual, to say, but so it is spiritually. And what he was saying is, spiritually, the ground is our heart. The seed is the word of God. And the life we live is the tree and the things that we produce are the fruits and so we can't deceive ourselves brother teddy to think that we're something that we're not because god gave us the the principle of how we need to look at our life and so what god is saying how we look at our life is the seed when you come to church And the minister ministers the word of God. The pastor preaches the word of God. That's the seed being planted in your heart. And so depending on what kind of tree grow in your heart and what kind of fruit you start producing, that tells whether or not that seed really took effect in your life or not, the word of God. So me nor you can ever escape our position in God. Because depending on how we live, the fruit that we produce tells us, tells our neighbors, and certainly tells God what we're all about. So to to go around and say, God is good. He's blessing me. You can say all of that. But at the end of the day, What I'm teaching you tonight, according to the Bible, at the end of the day, you know whether or not that person is really producing good fruit. Because we can't walk around and say, God is good and God is blessing me, but there is no fruit coming from your life. When you say, God is good and God is blessing me, there will be fruit that will come from that, and that's how I would know. People will know right away if you're blessed. You don't have to tell nobody you're blessed. You don't have to tell anybody you bless. You don't listen. If you do this thing right, people are going to tell you. You go to church, don't you? People will tell you. There's just something about you. You just people will tell you, and so you don't have to go and tell anybody you bless. Maybe we ought to try that. We don't have to tell anybody we go to church. We don't have to tell anybody anything going on with us. But if we will produce the fruit that God expects from our life because of the seed that's been planted, then really people will just know right away, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, something about her, something about him, something about that little guy, something about that little girl. There's just something about them. The the fruit will speak for us. There's a scripture in the Bible in Galatians chapter 5 where where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And I didn't go there last week because it was just a different lesson that we're teaching. And the fruit of the Spirit means the fruit of the Spirit of God that's in you should produce certain things. So if I say I have the Spirit of God in me, then there's certain things that will just automatically come from my life because that Spirit is in me. And that Spirit always. So The Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. And so what God is trying to let us know is, he always makes sure there's proof in our life for what we say we are. And we can't escape it. You know, we like to say, don't judge me. Well, that's correct. But here is a little caveat to that. But I can be a fruit inspector. we shouldn't go around judging each other that's not our job but we can be a fruit inspector and you know what's a fruit and you know what's good about a fruit inspector a fruit inspector can go up to his brother and say you know brother i realized the other day that you just had a really mean spirit about you and i know you're a christian man and you may be going through some stuff but you know don't allow any fruit to come from your tree that is not from God. And 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 think back about what makes you feel the way you've been feeling and why you kind of demonstrated that kind of behavior and correct that. Because I know you're a man of God and I know you produce good fruit most of the time, but I just noticed something. And so if that brother is a good Christian brother, he's going to say, really? Man, I didn't notice I was being that way. All right, brother, I appreciate that. I was a fruit inspector. I didn't judge him. I just told him what I saw coming from the tree. Yes. It's very important to understand that your heart is the ground. And if your heart is cultivated and all prepared, nice and good, when you come to church and the seed, which is the word of God, get planted, it produces a tree, which essentially produce good fruit. Any questions? Taking my time. Interact if we have to. Any questions about that? It's very important that you understand that. As you can see, we set our Bible study up this way because we want to be able to interact and study the right way. And so this is why we're this way. Any questions on what I just said about your heart being the ground that the seed gets planted in and your lifestyle will say what kind of fruit you're producing. It's a tough thing's it's a tough thing to swallow because sometimes, you know, we want to behave a certain way and then still say, "But we're godly people." We we want to do that a lot. Now, I know nobody's perfect. And so here is the trick. You have to realize when you behave a certain way, and realize now that didn't represent God, so I'm going to admit to that and get that straight and keep moving now, nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with that. we ought to do that because no, none of us is perfect. so the bottom line is if I if I act the way that that didn't produce good fruit but the opposite and you say to me eh, that wouldn't be coming of a Christian Wayne, I need to say, you know what you're right." Absolutely right. And I need to straighten that out in my life because I know I'm a Christian. That's just something that happened. It's not something that happens all the time. It just happened that time. And you move, you go to God, you ask him to forgive you, you move on. But at the end of the day, we ought to make sure that the fruit or fruits that's coming from our life will bear witness of who we say we are. And the only way that can happen is if this heart... This ground right here is right when the seed hits it. That's one of the reasons why prayer is essential and probably the first thing we do before we get into anything in church because I do know prayer is you connecting to God, communicating to God. God can work on your heart. And so by the time I begin to speak, you'll be more receptive to what I'm saying. You will probably get more understanding and clarity to what I'm saying because your heart is prepared. But if you just run in and just like, Come in, sit down. All right, let me hear something. You might not get anything because the heart is not prepared because how you came in, uh, you probably was thinking about what you came in thinking about. And and you just didn't unburden it the whole time because you just came in and sat down and so you never unburden it and so it's still bothering you, still thinking about it. It could just be, did I turn the stove off? I think I did. I don't know if I turned the stove off. It could be anything. I'm going with that something light, but it could also be something heavy. But the bottom line is, no matter what you're going through, when you hit the doors to the church building, if you just talk to God a little bit, if you just ask him to forgive you of your sins, if you just ask him to touch your mind and cultivate your heart, then When the words start to come, you will benefit from it. Amen. Any questions? Just butt in whenever you want, and um, as we go along tonight, anytime you're ready, just butt in. Raise your hand, and I'll stop and I'll answer your question. Don't be shy. I've learned a long time ago, what you're thinking that you need to ask, somebody else is thinking it. So just go ahead and ask it because that one question you ask is going to answer questions for some other people. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. Verse 24 says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. Somebody say, His field. But while men slept, His enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servant of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, does not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then had it tares? He said unto them, An enemy had done this. The servant said unto him, Will thou then that we go and gather them up? Question. But he said, Nah. Lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. 30. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, or time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them but gather the wheat into my barn so that's Matthew 13:24 through 30 now tonight what i want to talk about is this topic are you a wheat or a tear are you a wheat or a tear wheat or tear wheat Or tear. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Wheat or tear. Help me out tonight. Don't look so serious. (laughs) Don't look so serious. So it says the kingdom of heaven is likened. Anytime you hear that, you need to pay close attention. When you're reading your Bible, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like Unto the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God is usually one and the same. So when you hear it's likened unto you need to stop and pay attention. Because God is now giving you a concept of how He operates his kingdom. So we need to pay attention. So I said the kingdom of heaven is not a geographic location, but a spiritual realm where God rules and where believers share in his eternal life. So, Brother Teddy, people. Th- a lot of times when they hear the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, they think about heaven way beyond the clouds. That's what they're thinking. But before we can get way beyond the clouds, we must deal with the kingdom of God right here on earth. So somebody, if you can turn really quick to Luke chapter 17 verse 20 and 21, making a point about the kingdom. So Luke chapter 17, verse 20 says this, and when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come. So these disciples was thinking like many of us, when will the kingdom of God come? He answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation, Means what you're looking for, you won't see. Because you're looking for some great observation. You're looking for some great thing to appear. And Jesus says, that's not what the kingdom is about. The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, lo here, or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. That's heavy right there because while we're looking to go someplace far beyond the blue, it's not time for that yet. And you can't get far beyond the blue until you figure out how to live in this kingdom. And so the kingdom of God is within you. So go back to my first explanation of what I said the kingdom of God is. It says the kingdom of God is not a geographical location, but a spiritual realm where God rules and where believers share in his eternal life. So here is how we do it. When God is in you and controlling your behavior, controlling how you speak, controlling how you live. When you become born again of the water and of the Spirit and God controls everything about your life, now you're in the kingdom. That's how you get in the kingdom. Listen, John chapter 3 verse 1 through 5 talks about Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews, came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Then Nicodemus said, went and says, Well, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man or woman be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That's Bible. All red letters. Jesus said it. So, Jesus told us that we must be born again of water and of spirit in order to enter into that invisible kingdom that you can't see. Once you do that, you get born again of the water, you receive his spirit, and now he has control over your life. You are now living in that spiritual realm, which is called the kingdom of God. While you're walking around every day, you're living in the kingdom of God. You know who lived in the kingdom of God and had proven by her fruit that she was living in the kingdom of God? Y'all don't want to talk about it. What's her name, Kim? What's Kim's last name that went to jail? There you go. She living in the kingdom. She living in the kingdom. Because her job said, you better sign them things. And she says, no, God says he's not approving this. Now that's tough. How, much of us, how many of us are willing to do that? But I'm giving you an example about what the kingdom is about. Jesus Christ ruling in your life as opposed to you or anyone else ruling in your life. That's what the kingdom is about. So that's the part of the kingdom that we must experience before we can one day be raptured out of here and then live in that kingdom of heaven beyond the blue skies. Yes, ma'am. I love questions. Thank you for your question. That's fine. Listen. I'm not sure what the arrangement is. I don't know if um, all of it is done in her name. I'm not sure how that works. And I'm sure if everything is done in her name, she's going to say, I will have nothing to do with it and blah, 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 blah. I'm not sure how that works. But, you know, I don't know the details of that. But what I will say is as long as she do what her ruler, that's ruling her life, tells her to do, she's fine. She's living in the kingdom. Well, I'm not going to go too far, but let me just tell you all this real quick. We, the devil has manipulated us a lot, and we have given him too much room to operate. Um we We started doing things in our country that was so against the Bible, and we call it progressive we said we 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 progressed because uh we we were the first to understand this, and we were the first to allow this, and we were the first to do that unfortunately. What they don't understand is, if we just would have stuck to the teaching of the Bible, we wouldn't have to worry about people needed to come out and say things. Because the Bible, Jesus is our, our deliverer. Bible says he's our deliverer. So if there's something in my life, it doesn't matter, alcohol, drugs, addiction, you keep going down the line. Whatever I'm struggling with, the Lord Jesus Christ can deliver me from it. Right? Shouldn't nobody tell me, oh, Wayne, I know you're struggling with this, but as long as you just come out and talk about it that you're struggling with it, um, you'll be fine. I'm still not set free from it. So if I got a drug addiction and you're telling me, well, at least you admitted to it, I'm still addicted. But somehow the enemy has weaved this web where now we're saying, well, at least they was courageous. So they came out and they said it, and they're courageous. We just need to support them and here is the big just sorriest thing about it is this people that work in media don't always agree with it but if they say anything about it they lose their jobs and so what has happened is so many of us have backed up and just keep our mouth shut while the people that's pushing the agenda is able to push it because we have to be quiet because if we don't be quiet we're going to lose our jobs and so to me yes kim davis thing is 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 showing us something but we we've gone kind of wrong for a minute now and 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 we're celebrating it, thinking that we're doing good, when in actuality we're we're going we're drifting so far from the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we're trying to figure out a way to dress it up and and feel good about what we're doing, but in actuality we've we've drifted away from that. So the whole Kim thing is just another light being shined on, really now, what the division is, and and we're going to experience even more. Uh, challenges because they're going to make it about Christians and non-Christians. It's sad. And everybody have gone, gone away from understanding our morals from where we first started. Morals. God established morals and we live by them. And all of a sudden now we think that we can tweak morals when we weren't the one that established morals. Morals came from God. So it's unfortunate, but my point is, Kim, living in the kingdom, she didn't allow anything else to control and rule her life, but who is supposed to rule her life, and so we as Christians have to really give some serious thinking to our life to say, could I have done something like that, because at the end of the day, that's really what the kingdom of God is all about while you're here on earth. While you're here on earth, the kingdom of God is God ruling in your life. Can, is God ruling in your life? Will you allow him to rule in your life? And listen, always remember this. Don't think that what God wants to do, you're always going to feel good about it or you're going to like it. I just always have to say that because I think that that will help us. You start out not liking it, but eventually the more you do it, the more you become accustomed to it and it's okay. But God's way is not our way, and so we're not comfortable a lot of times with what he wants. So don't give yourself the right to say, well, because you're not comfortable with it, because you don't like it, you feel like you shouldn't do it. There's a lot of things in this world that we don't like that we do. So we shouldn't make that, that, that distinction. We should not separate, you know, that whole thing from how God sees it. If God said this is what we need to do, whether you like it or not, just go with it. He knows what's best for you. And so the kingdom of God is within you. Anyone have any questions about, you had anything, something you had to say, Tom? Anyone have any questions about the kingdom of God being within you and not yet beyond the blue skies? Yes, sir. Keep going. Okay. So I wanted to make that clear that if if the kingdom of God is not ruling in you, what do I like to use as the kingdom of God? Here's what I like to use as the kingdom of God. I used to ride horses. Almost was a jockey. Came close. That was the will of God. But one thing I know, horses are very strong. And you know how they like to say, horsepower of this truck is this, so you know horses are very strong. And when you're riding a horse, the reins that's on the horse is what controls the horse. And so the reins is all these belts and everything and the bit that goes in his mouth. So you got the bit, the, the belts and everything that that you know is over his head. And so when you want him to go right, you pull right. And he And he goes that. And you want him to go left, you pull left. And he goes that. way. you want him to go straight, you just keep it and he just goes straight. You want him to go fast, you just you know, kind of touch him in, the, in his stomach, and he just start moving, and sometimes he start moving fast. And there's times where you try to control that horse, and you want him to go somewhere, and he decide that day, I don't want to do it. Oh yeah, I've been thrown off a horse before. Yes, and 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 the groom said, Get up, get up, get right back on. He said, Anyhow, you let that horse know you afraid, you'll never ride him again. So I had to jump right back on him. But my point is, a jockey riding a horse is my symbol in my mind of Christ ruling in my life. He has the reins in his hands. And he turning left and turning right and tell me when to go and tell me when to stop. That's how I picture Christ ruling in my life. And even like that horse, sometimes he doesn't want to do it. Buddy, go ahead and do it. We have to think about that that if if Christ is going to reign and rule in my life, that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like and little advice, don't even worry about it because he will always lead you better than you can ever lead yourself somehow we we struggle with that whole thing because we feel like uh, I just need to have control of my own life, and I understand. But here's the deal. You can control your life, and you have to control the benefits and the blessings that flow in your life. Or you let God control it, and he's responsible for the blessings and everything that flow in your life. So that's just something to think about. So that's the kingdom of God. Any questions on the kingdom of God? So when the scripture says that the the, the field, the the man that... that, um, Own the field. When it it, it talks about the field, it's talking about, in this particular context, it's talking about the field, which is the world. The world is the field. So the field represents the world in which the gospel is preached. The good seed is the preached word of God. The good seed is the preached word of God. So here we are, as we looked in the text, where it talks about, um in in thirteen twenty four where it's twenty five where it says um well let 's go to twenty four the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. this is telling us God almighty God sowed good seed good seed in his harvest in his field, which is the world so tonight The Lord is sowing good seed into your life, into your heart. He's sowing those seeds into your life, into your heart, right? That's the good seed that's being sown. He says, but while men slept, his enemy came and planted the tares. You know what's interesting about this? Why would the Lord allow tares to be planted among his wheat? The seed is the good seed. Produced the wheat. It says man came while men slept and planted false doctrine. That's 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 what. Go ahead, Tom. Let me hear you. Uh huh. Mhm. Okay. Okay. So you, you just got your answer. The Lord says that while men slept, evil men came and sowed tares in his field. And what I want to get to tonight is this. As Christians, Somehow, we don't like to have to deal with the struggles that comes with life. As Christians, somehow we think that this life isn't supposed to bring us heartache. As Christians, we want to believe that everything is supposed to go just right. I'm serving the Almighty God. He's all-powerful and He can do anything. Why am I going through this? Why is this happening to me, Teddy? Why I can't have just this peace and everything just be good? Why? Why I got to struggle? Why I can't get what I need? Why things not working out for me? And the scripture says, the Lord allowed the bad seed to be sowed in the field. He allowed it. And so now, bad seed is among you and we want to believe that this Christian life doesn't you know once I go in church everything is supposed to be all good and I want to tell you it it's more magnified in church when bad things happen to you because your perception is that the church is supposed to be great and wonderful And it is, but there's still some tears among the wheat in the church. There's always going to be some false doctrine. Let me tell you, you're going to have to be careful who you listen to preaches the word of God. Very important. I'm not bragging to you, but I'm just telling you truth. Be careful where you hear the word of God is. And when people teach you the word of God, your life is the only one you have. It is precious. And if you lose it, you lose it for eternity. Do yourself some justice and research the word of God when you hear it. Because it's not a good thing to just run with everything you hear because i just told you that the enemy is trying to sow tears among you and if you're not careful because your heart is open and ready for the word of god the enemy will sneak in and plant his seed of false doctrine in your heart and before you know it you're living by false doctrine and you're among the people that are living by the true doctrine and you're wondering are you okay A lot of times you don't even know you're not okay. A lot of times we think we're okay. A lot of times we think, oh man, I'm good. But we've allowed some false doctrine to get in. Because the enemy went in and sowed tares. By tares, it's probably meant a degenerate kind of wheat. Listen to this or the darnel grass growing in Palestine. In its growth and form, it has a strong resemblance to genuine wheat, but it either produces no grain or that of a very inferior and hurtful kind. It was extremely difficult to separate it from the genuine wheat on account of its similarity while growing. Wheat and tares look alike. Wheat and tares look alike. When you look at them, you think, wow, you can't tell the difference. And so in the church, we all seem to look like Christians, and we all seem to be doing all good, and that we're all obeying the Word of God. But really and truly, at the end of the day, we don't really know. Are you a wheat or a tear? Do you know what you are? And how can you determine if you are a wheat or you a tear? Very important. And so we need to figure that out. I'll go deep on you with this. Let's take, for instance, Judas and Peter. Judas and Peter. Many of you know Judas was the disciple, disciple, keyword disciple, who betrayed his master, Jesus Christ. But didn't he walk with Jesus for a whole long time? If me and you was looking at them while they were walking, wouldn't we believe that Judas was a part of them? We wouldn't think Judas was a betrayer. We wouldn't think Judas was doing wrong. We would have never known that. Yes, sir. I like questions. I told you that. Well, I'm glad you asked that, which is what we'll get into a little bit. Remember, if you look at it from the standpoint of all of us are Created by God, if you want to call it that way. And all of us are here, and the seed is what's going to determine whether you're going to be a wheat or a tear. It's the seed, the word of God. And so when the word of God get into you, and it, it germinates in you, it's going to produce wheat. But if the Word of God is being preached, and it's being preached on stony ground, it's being preached on shallow ground, it's just being preached on the ground that's not cultivated, then that seed of tear can grow in those places. As a matter of fact, it does well in those places. So you become a tear through what you allow to get into your heart. That's how you become a tear. Whatever you allow to get into your heart, whatever you're listening to, whatever you don't listen to, tears come into your life. You allow the word of God. Check out Matthew chapter 27. Then Judas, which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned, represented himself, and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders saying I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, "What is that to, to us?" See thou, see thou to that, and he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hung himself. Here is the deal. There's a scripture in Peter, brother Henry, that talks about that false teachers were once part of us but they're no longer a part of us. But in order to become false teacher, you got to get among the real people. And as you get among the real people, you begin to allow your to be allow yourself to be influenced by Satan. The Bible says Satan, there's another text that talks about Judas that Satan allowed that that Judas allowed the devil to get in him. And so That's what usually happened to us is we didn't start out bad. We started out honest people. We started out, let me put it like this, Brother Henry. We all start out neutral. Just like media. Just like all the outlets we use, it's all neutral. And depending on what you do with it is depending if it's going to be good or bad to you. All of us are neutral people. And then depending on what the seed, what the seed does, what, 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 how did the seed work in our life is going to determine what's going to happen to us. And Judas started out neutral. The Lord called him and Judas allowed the enemy to keep working on him, keep working on him. And he started acting like he was a part when he wasn't a part. Now, they didn't know he wasn't apart, and look at it, he stayed among them. He, he, he walked with them, he looked like them, looked apart, the and seemed like he was okay, but at the end of the day, he was not. What is my point for going through all of this tonight? My point of going through all of this tonight is, we have to get sharp as Christians in the church. Because here is the deal, you're going to be challenged by different people. We don't know where people stand. We don't know what's going on with them. We don't know if they're just having a bad day or they could be a tear. And we have to think about that in our life and deal accordingly. As my brother said, the Lord allowed them to be there to strengthen you. And so whether they are are a tear or they allow it, enemy to influence their actions at that time, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, look at people to to help you get strong. Yes, sir. Well, the fruit is always the measuring stick. The fruit is always the measuring stick. It's it's what goes on with you. Now, here is what I'm going to tell you because I can always gauge what goes on a little bit because of my own personal experience. And this week, a lot of different things happened, and I felt like I was on an island by myself, Cheryl. It seemed like every place I turned, I just, it's like I got cut off from people. I don't know what that was about, and, and people got mad at me for no reason this week. And I'm like, what's going on here? But I smile. And, and here is the trick to all of this stuff. When you know that you're in the will of God, you got to know it though. See, because I know it, things affect me differently. Not because I'm super spiritual. Not because I'm better than anybody else. But when I know that I'm in the will of God, things don't affect me. And so every time I turn and this person want to get mad at me for no reason and I turn this way and I uh, I reach out to this person, I'm not hearing nothing come from them and I'm like, what's going on around here? And nobody's reaching out and you know normally, well, I, you know, things usually we can just kick it and you see that nothing is working, you just know, well. It's just the way it is. I'm going to allow this situation to make me a better Christian. I'm going to allow this situation to make me stronger because at the end of the day, I know that I'm walking in the will of God. You see, when you're walking in the will of God, the devil is going to do all that he can to get you off track. When you're trying to find the path that takes you in the will of God, the devil is going to do everything he can to hide that path so you can't find it. Everything that the devil can do to stop you from really finding your place in God, he will. And as soon as you're trying to get there, that's when he attacks because he's trying to stop you. Somehow, It just don't compute enough with us. And so when pressure come, we decide, well, that's just not the place for me. When pressure come, that's just not the person for me. When pressure come, I'm just going to be this way. When pressure come, I'm just going to behave a different way. And that's not what God expects. God wants the pressure to produce godliness we listen god wants to make sure when you get under pressure if you got god in you then god's supposed to come out when you get under pressure whatever is going on in your life it's supposed to produce godliness that's what this is all about so that's why he left the tears because i'm like jesus what are you doing when the man tried to go in and plant the, 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 the seeds that produce hair, why didn't you just say, no, you don't? Because he can. This is one of my biggest things. Can I tell you all this? Good secret, even though I'm t- telling you out loud. Understand that as a child of God, if God allowed things to happen to you, if, no, I'm giving you the answer. If things happened to you and God didn't stop it, then stop and say, okay. He is powerful enough to stop this. His arms is not too short to stop this. He is not unintelligent that he don't know this because the Bible says he's omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. The Bible says he's omnipresent, which means he's present everywhere all at once. The Bible says he's omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. Nobody's more powerful than him. So if he's all-powerful, he knows everything, and he's everywhere, why did he allow this to happen to me? When are we going to get smart and says if he did, let me just jump and shout because there's something good that's on its way. There's something good that's about to happen to me and this situation is only a step to get me to the blessings that is before me. When are we going to really get that? Why are we crying about it? Why are we worrying about it and not realizing he can stop it? And when he needs to, he will. He will stop me when he needs to. But more often than not, he doesn't. Because he gave us this parable, the wheat and the tear. He didn't stop the dude from planting the tares among the wheat. Say, go ahead. Do what you got to do. Just like we talked about some weeks ago when I preached, I says, how in the world did Satan show up in the meeting with Jesus and his angels? Because he had no power and God says, come on, say, As a matter of fact, I can see it now. I can picture it myself. They in heaven. And all y'all, the angels and Satan is over there. And the Lord said, hey, Beelzebub, what are you doing over there? Come on up. I know you try to eavesdrop. Don't eavesdrop. Come close. Listen to what I'm saying. Have you considered Job? That's my guy right there. He called him up in the meeting and says, think about this. You consider my man Job? You don't have to eavesdrop. I'll tell you something. Because Satan is not a threat. But we allow him to be a threat and we get nervous and knees start shaking. Knees start shaking, baby. We're getting scared. Ooh. Like, ooh. like Satan can do something to us without God's permission. And if God says he can go ahead and do it, you know what it means? God's got a lot of confidence in me if if something crazy's happened to you and God didn't stop it God's got a lot of confidence in you you need to get some confidence in yourself down <laughs> but he allowed the wheat and the tares to be together to grow together now look at Matthew chapter 16 Matthew chapter 16 Verse 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer, suffer, somebody say suffer, many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. Somebody say killed? And be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him saying, be it far from thee, Lord. This shall not be unto thee. But he, talking about Jesus, turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. One, Judas allowed Satan to get control of him. Peter, Brother Henry, Satan got control of him, but he repented and got his life right. And so the big point of looking at the wheat and the tare, we all are neutral. And it depends on the seed that we allow to grow in our heart will determine whether we wheat or tare. Understand that we all come from God, so we're all going to always have that similar behavior and everything like that. But it doesn't mean our motives and agendas are right. And we will never really know it because everything just looks just the same. Yes, ma'am. I'm almost out of here now. Uh-huh. Mhm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. I I get exactly what you're saying. So good question. So the question is, how are you going to determine that it's the Lord that's allowing this to happen to you? As opposed to, you on the wrong side of the Lord now, and you've been kind of, and God has left you alone. Turned you over to reprobate mind, and so now he has left you alone. That will be tough, but one thing I will say is, the fruit still rules. If I'm turned over to a reprobate, I will not produce any good fruit. Yeah, whatever I do will not prosper if I'm turned over to be a reprobate. Nothing, it won't prosper. I will be working, working, and it'll come to naught. I'll be pushing, pushing, it'll come to nothing. But but if I'm not turned over to be a reprobate, I will be doing something and seeing fruit. But I will be still going through. So I will be able to say, you will see me serving the Lord, and people's life will be affected. Affected in a good way, and souls will be reached, and lives will be changed. But somehow I'll be going through. So you will know. Well, there's there's godly fruit coming from him. He going through, godly fruit coming from him, right? And and but but there but when you've been turned over, you're just like this, spinning your wheels. You're just doing the stuff over and over, and nothing is happening. No fruit. No nothing is coming because you've been turned over. Because remember. I can do all things through Christ. We can do nothing of our own. Whatever we do, if we got to examine it. Is that a man effort or that's a God effort? And so fruit has to be spiritual. Right? The fruit must be what the spirit produced, not what man produced. So me being nice to you, me shaking your hands and telling you nice stuff, that's not a fruit. That's just me doing man stuff, what man can produce but when you start to look at my life now and you say my goodness there's there's people life being changed because of this person there's souls being saved because of this person there's, there's organization that's being changed because of this person but they're going through though the fruit is what they're doing they can't do it by themselves their flesh cannot do it it's the supernatural power of God that's doing it so you know okay that ain't no reprobate situation. The other one, one will produce man kind of production, and the other one will produce spiritual, godly production. That's how you're going to know if, you really, if it's really of God and not of God. Whatever God is in is going to be spiritual production. It won't be physical man effort. It will be spiritual production. That's why God is constantly telling us about fruits fruits because the fruits he's talking about is only the fruits that he produced not the fruit that you produce because we can't really produce fruit remember he is divine we are the branches so it's him in us producing so if nothing is coming out of us it means that tree is no good and god said i'm not using that tree you can do all your man-made effort all you want but until i work through you you are no good spiritual stuff yes ma'am Oh, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Usually, when you go into a reprobate mind, it's it's a rebellious situation. It means you 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 just decided to re- defy God. Whatever God wants to do, I ain't doing that because that's not what I want to do. And when we get to that point where we continue to just defy God and want to do what pleases us, yes, he can turn you with a reprobate mind. Because you because, he can't do nothing with somebody that says, "I'm going to do what I want." Can't do nothing with you. He only can do something with someone that says, "I am the branch. You are divine, and I can't produce nothing on my own, so through you, with you in me, then I can produce." So, we can't do stuff on our own and 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 God be in it. God won't be in it. Any other questions? And so let me close with this. (laughs) Matthew chapter 13 verse 30 says, let both grow together until the harvest. Let both grow together until the harvest. There was a question in 29 that says, um, um, should, should we root up the tares? And he says, nah, lest we... Lest ye gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat. So he's saying, I can't remove, no, y'all. Sorry, I don't want to mess up the Lord here. Y'all can't remove tares. Y'all can't separate tares from wheat. You can't do it. The pastor can't do it. I can't remove the tares from the wheat. I don't, I'm not capable of doing that. So he says, Wayne, leave it alone. That's my business because you can't remove it because you're not going to know who's good or who's bad, Wayne. You don't know that. Now, you can look at the fruit, but here's the thing. They still might have a chance to repent and you don't know. So I can look at the fruit and say, they definitely not right, God, because look at the fruit. But I don't know if they will have that opportunity to repent and get right with God. So at the end of the day, you really don't know. And so God says, you will not be able to tell the difference between the wheat and the tare. So don't you try to separate them. Don't you try to weed it out. Leave it to where it is and let them grow together. So that's the point of always letting you know, in church, we'll always have challenges. In church, we'll always have the good and the bad. That's why when people say there's hypocrite in the church, yes, you're right. When people say there's devils in the church, yes, you're right. And we crazy, we think that devils ain't in the church. We think that because, hey... The devil present himself before God. Why don't we think devils are in the church? There's devils in the church. I'm praying not this church. And if they're not, they'll come eventually though. It's just the way it is. I just know how this thing works. So if we don't have no devils now, they're coming. Because that's just the way it is. That's what devils do. But at the end of the day, God is saying, leave it alone. Don't worry about it. Let the wheat and tear grow together. Because here is the deal and what what I've um, learned with the Lord. You know how the Lord said, love your enemies? I never understood that, Cheryl. And what I started understanding was my enemy, if my enemy don't get right, my enemy is going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. I don't care who my enemy is. I don't want that for them. You know what that's like? eternity in the lake of fire, liquid fire for eternity. I don't wish that on nobody. You kidding me? So that's why he said pray for your enemy because if they don't get it together soon or later, that's where they're going to end up. So I have to pray for them. I can't be mad at them. So as much as, you know, they frustrate you, you get mad, you get over it and you just pray for them because who wants to see anybody go into the lake of fire? I hope you don't, because if you want to see anybody go there, you're going to end up there. You better not want to see nobody go in the lake of fire. If you want to, I guarantee you somehow you're going to end up there. You better want to see everybody go to heaven. And so he says, let them there and let it go, because none of you can do it. He says, let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye the first the tear. So what he's saying is, we're going to have this until judgment, till the rapture. It's not going to change. You being in church and want everybody to be nice, steady, ain't never going to be the way, never going to be that way. Some going to be nice to you and some won't. You be in church and trying to do the right thing don't mean everybody going to do the right thing back to you. Some will and some won't. And the Lord want me to talk to you tonight just to prepare your heart and let you know use these tares as training ground. When the tears start doing their job you need to say okay let me see how much God I got now because here they come. Let me see how much God I got because here they come and that's what the tears are supposed to be. Now I'm not telling you you won't slip up sometimes. I'm just saying but when you slip up you go to God and say that was my test I just slipped up. Now Lord I need you to touch my heart and forgive me of my sins because I'm going straight back in it because when they come again I'm going to be ready to time around because that's the way it works it don't change and we never going to have this blissful thing going on but what you will be you will be a strong soldier for the Lord you will be a Christian because they were supposed to be strengthening you won't be peaches and cream Jesus said wheat and tear are going to be growing together I wish it was different for you But God knows better than me, and so he didn't make it like that. Any questions?